Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 154. So I've been remiss. Happy New Year. It's probably way too late to say Happy New Year, but uh, took some time off for the holidays, uh, which was great. Spent some time with the family. My daughter was home from school. Uh, We got to spend a lot of quality family time together and it is her senior year in high school. So lots and lots of college applications got completed over the break for us. And it has taken just a lot of time. Uh, I'm not complaining, but uh, I've been remiss getting this episode out. It is here. Uh, We are going to be joined by the great John Sparrow of the Violent Femmes right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the U.S., Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I said before the break there, we're going to be joined by the great John Sparrow uh, from The Violent Femmes here in just a moment. Um, and I've got to tell you, we, we recorded this interview back, um, probably about a week before Christmas. And we just had a fantastic conversation that lasted almost an hour and a half. So this is a little bit longer episode, uh, but we covered a lot of ground in there. And John is just a, just a wonderful guy. I'm so glad I got to know him and his story is so great. And if you're not a fan of the films, uh, what's wrong with you, first of all? Um, secondly, just the way uh, he carries himself, I would say, is just the absolute mark of a professional musician. He was an open book. 
answered all of my stupid questions, and we had a really in-depth chat that I know you're going to get a lot out of, uh, and, and I'm just so pleased that he came on the show. So please help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast, John Sparrow. Hey, John, good evening, man. How are you, brother? I'm great, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, thanks for taking time to do it. I appreciate it. How, uh, how are things up in Milwaukee this evening? Well, we still don't really have a lot of snow. It's starting to get kind of cold. But um, like we were talking before we started rolling, um, I'm gonna, uh, I think a lot of us are just kind of trying to tie up all of our loose ends for the holidays. So um, I got back from tour, I think it was early November, and had to get kind of reacclimated into my home life. It takes a couple weeks. And uh, otherwise, it's just been a lot of, you know, speaking with yourself and a lot of different uh, interviews and just kind of, it's been a lot of talking about what I do yeah. and not, I mean, it's been, it's been a good blend. I'm starting to uh, kind of catch up with local musicians and playing locally and in small little runs uh, regionally here in the Midwest. But I, you know, you would think it's the holidays, but um, I seem like, it seems like I'm busier now than I was when I was on tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing. It's amazing how that happens. And, you know, I've tried to, you know, it kind of anecdotally, pass along you know you've been home what six weeks now um and i'm sure you still have a suitcase packed somewhere right (laughs) okay well jamie (laughs) that's why do you say that because uh being at home i'm also obviously because i play drums i'm i'm restoring one of my kits and there were parts all over the dining room my girlfriend's like so you're not dirty (laughs) you're just kind of like like, what are all these metal things in this box? You know, so, and she's like, so, like, are you going to put the suitcase in the basement? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm getting to it. So I finally, I, I've been going through all my drums and I'm restoring some stuff. And I put, I finally got the suitcase into the basement just last week. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's so funny because, you know, when I get ready for tours since she's been dating me, well, it's three or four years. In the beginning, she'd say, you have to get ready for tour. And I'm like, what do you mean? I still have two weeks. No, you have to start packing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Once you get used to this life, right? Yeah. I could pack for Australia right now. <laughs> right. And I could be on the plane. But, you know, I, I wonder if that comes from our lives, especially for drummers, right? We always have so much crap. Yeah. And it's like, and then, you know how it is? Like, how many gigs have we played, Jamie, where it's throw and go? And it's like, ah, 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 no sound check. Ah, there's no time to sit there and make sure your throne is at the right height or your cymbal stand. Oh, I don't like the crash is too hot. It's just, you got to go. Yeah. So, yeah, I just finally put the suitcase in the basement last week. Well, I mean, that's just kind well, of the, that's just kind of the life, you know? I mean, I, for a long time, it's not this way for me anymore, but you know, when, when I was a, uh, you know, a youngster and like never turned down a gig, there was always a suitcase like under the bed that was fully packed and yep. ready to go, you know, because you, it's a lot like the military, right? Yeah. You yeah. did. You didn't know you might get a call at three thirty and say, Hey man, we need you in a, in a van at five. Right. And yep. you, you just, yeah, and you can't turn those gigs down, man. Right. So you just had yeah. to be ready to throw and go, like you said, man. And, and it's just, 
I, I don't know. I've tried to explain to people how crazy this world is. And until you've lived in it, you you don't really know how hectic it, it really can be, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And well, like we were talking earlier, <clears throat> uh, before we started rolling uh, with the interview, but uh, especially at my level, when I say my level, I'm not saying that it's about fame. I'm saying when you're at this kind of level, like the touring group, right? And you got to consider the age of the guys in the, in the, in the fans, right? So I'm 46 and Gordon and Brian, I think Gordon might be close to 60. Brian, I think is in his sixties. Nobody is the, the, the whole stress is about, okay, well, we actually, we have to be here at a certain time. We have to do this, but it's not a big party. Like you were saying, people yeah. have this, uh, they have this idea of what this world is like. I think what maybe some of the younger groups, you know, like they're partying and, you know, drinking and doing drugs, whatever people do. I mean, when you're in your forties, certainly even in, if you, if you want to have a serious career in this world, especially in the music business, you have to take care of yourself. You have to eat properly, make sure you hit the water. You know, obviously we're as drummers, you know, I'm on the pad for hours each day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not what everybody thinks it is. You know, I mean, like you said, there are moments where for 90 minutes, it's the greatest thing in the world. And it is. And there's other times where, you know, we go out and have a nice, like for us as quote unquote rock stars, it's like, oh, wow, we went and had a great meal. <laughs> you right. Know, it's like, yeah. That's like our excitement. Uh, but, but people think, you know, there, there's no way you can, you know, keep up um, that kind of partying lifestyle if you want to have a serious career. So it is a lot of waiting. Um, a lot of waiting, but fortunately, again, at my level, we can live comfortably because we have to, you know, we yeah. have to, otherwise, could you imagine going on stage? I mean, I'm not 20 years old and I'm like drunk or so. I, I don't even do, we don't do dr drugs and drink before. That's not how it is. But if you want to have a serious career, you're going to do things the right way, you know? Yeah. Well, for sure. And, you know, I've also tried to explain to people, you know, I mean, I think everybody has this maybe, you know, romanticized vision and all the stuff they've read about, you know, Keith Richards and Led Zeppelin and, and you know, the 70s. Sure. And, and I've tried to explain to people, you know, some of that stuff is pure, you know, legend or, or fables. And I think, you know, it's kind of like the fish story. You're, you're, you're a good Wisconsin boy. I know you've done some fishing yeah. in your life, right? It's like, absolutely. You, you catch a six inch fish and, you know, uh, fi five years yeah. later, it's, you know, Moby Dick, right? And, and, yeah, and right. The, <laughs> yeah. the legend just keeps growing. And, you know, I've tried to t tell people, yeah, sure. Keith Richards was a wild guy at one time. Um, you know, sure. Led Zeppelin had, you know, big, massive parties, but that would be, you know, I just don't think it was ever at the level that everybody's led on to believe, you know, my experience has been, you know, if you, if you were lucky enough to have a day off, you might go catch a, a minor league baseball game, or you might go bowling oh, yeah. or something like that. And, and really tie one on that night or whatever. But if you're doing the grind of play a gig, get in the van, drive to the next venue, there wasn't any time for fun. It was like, I've just got to get to the next site and put on the same show tomorrow. Uh, has that been your yeah. experience? Well, of course. 
Of course it has. I mean, I think that, you know, you, you obviously, you, you know, you've lived that life. It doesn't matter what level. It's kind of the same. I mean, there's a lot more luxury as you go up, you know what I mean, in the ranks. But it's still the same thing. It's still a job is a job. I mean, I hate to say job because I really love what I do. But, you know, of course, I, it's the same experiences. And, uh, yeah, so you get a day off. And I do get to go see things. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of that is, you know, for people that are not in our world, I think that they only can go by what they've seen on TV or or the Moby Dick stories. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I heard you caught a, oh, I heard you guys are in a rock band. You guys have hookers. It's like, oh, yeah. you're still believing that campfire, you know, stories? I mean, then no. So, no, you're, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is, you know? And uh, fortunately, you know, uh, touring with other groups and all that, I have to tell you, Jamie, being a fellow drummer, and I was I was talking to Chris earlier from A and F. First of all, that company is just fantastic, and he what he's doing, he's the one that connected us, obviously, right? Yeah. But we have this fraternity of drummers, and it's great when I tour with other groups, you know, with the Femmes, or just where you know you play shows with other bands, you know, as you're coming up. It doesn't matter. We have a fraternity where we all kind of are like our own support group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, maybe guitar players or singers might be listening to this going like, oh, you drummers, you guys are dork, you know, whatever they might tease us about. But the general po- uh, population, I think that they definitely have a distorted uh, perspective. Uh, a job's a job. Yeah. I mean, but this, this is, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's an amazing job. <laughs> yeah. When I'm getting to do it. Yeah, it, well, I mean, for sure, you know, and, and I've said on this show, I, I mean, until I'm just blue in the face, you know, every time sure. I go see any band anywhere, I'm stealing something from the drummer, right? Something in his set Always. that he does. And the difference between guitarists and drummers is I give credit. I'll be like, oh, this is a lick that I stole from yeah. John Sparrow of the Violet Femmes. Sure. Whereas sure. a guitarist is like, no, I invented that last night in my bedroom, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just. That's right. Well, you know, it's like that. Uh, I mean, so many drummers have used this phrase, I, but I think it was like Steve Smith or something. He's like, listen, all you do, all we do is steal from each other. The goal is not to get caught. <laughs> But we'll give credit to each other because I, I wonder if, you know, because we're a drummer, first of all, when you go to play a gig, typically, right? I mean, I'm up front and center with the fans, but any other gig, where do we, where do we set up? In the back. In the back, in the corner. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're not musicians, you know, the, the, like, uh, you know, the whole saying like, well, we have an orchestra, right? We have 13 musicians and we have a drummer. So I wonder if a lot of that, and I'm not trying to play this pity party, but that might play into why we're also, um, you know, like have this fraternity because we're, it's like a, a therapy group. Like, yeah, so I was working with this band and they were yelling at me about the tempo. Uh, I was rushing this, but the, you know, like we're all kind of, we are slightly victims in a, in a way, you know I mean? When it comes to, I say the, the rock and pop world, but now with the femmes, so the violent femmes started doing a lot of like orchestra shows, right? Yeah. And I did orchestra stuff in high school. That was way different than the Tasmanian Symphony Orchestra, L.A. Symphony Orchestra, Kansas. You know what I mean? Like, this is the real deal. And I remember when we were in Tasmania, 
I was talking to some of the other musicians and I'm like, well, you know, hey, I'm just a drummer. You know, you guys don't really think of me that highly. And they're like, oh, no, the, the percussion section is really respected. And I said, what? They're like, hey, the horns, the, the, the brass section. I'm like, what? <laughs> Maybe we should all relocate to Tasmania. <laughs> uh, well, no, I don't think that that's necessarily a Tasmanian, you know, like, but I didn't understand that dynamic until I started doing the orchestra gigs with right. the Femmes. Like, wow, you know, like I'm actually, as a drummer, I'm respected. It, you know, these different, you know, that's the orchestral world. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of an eye opener. I, I had a, you know, I got my ribbon for the day. I felt good about myself, but I do believe <laughs> that the nice thing about drummers is that we can have this camaraderie, you know what I mean? And, um, and yeah, steal from each other, but still give each other credit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean- I, I I, I I couldn't pick a better instrument to play honestly. Yeah, well, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you know, I I I think there's there's also you know this this thought process, I guess, in you know the rock and pop world of that you know drummers are expendable or replaceable, and and I think to a certain extent, bass bass players as well. You know, as as long as the singer and the guitarist are, you know, original members, it's it's still good or, or whatever the case may be. And all that stupid stuff that that gets said kind of under the breath, uh, so to speak. Sure. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Steve Smith earlier. You know, Journey has had a lot of great drummers since Steve Smith, yeah. but it's not Steve Smith. Right. I mean, and I can see and hear the difference. <laughs> I think the average sure. Joe that that paid for their ticket probably doesn't care, um, you know. But for the purist, and a perfect example, can you imagine Zeppelin with anybody other than Bonham, or the sure. Stones with anybody other than Charlie? I cannot. You, you know what I mean? No. Well, listen. What do I know you? What you mean? Of course, I'm I'm a living example of that. So yeah. now. Consider, I've been with the Femmes for uh, close to 18 years. Well, I came in and I replaced Victor. You know, he's the, he's the OG. You know, this is the guy that, the three of those guys created the sound, and Victor is the one that created the drum sound. Now, you know, I mean, whether, I don't, you know, I, I'm good. I was, I was great friends with Victor. I haven't talked to him in a number of years. I mean, we just, your life goes in different directions. But I spent, he's produced, albums for me, you know, when he wasn't in the band. I mean, he lives here in Milwaukee and, um, I love him dearly, but so this question comes up a lot. It's like, wow. So you guys were friends and you replaced him. And I'm like, well, it's just, I don't have nothing to do with the business side of things, but it's just the way it worked. But, um, you know, I had to step in and I'm not Victor. By any means, you know, and I don't want to be Victor. You know, I mean, I want to be me. So Steve Jordan stepped in for Charlie. And from what I've heard, it sounds great. And he's really done his the best he can to honor Charlie's sound and his playing. But he's not trying to copy him. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Zeppelin was smart. Personally, I think that that was smart that they never really tried to do Zeppelin. You know, I mean, like they had those couple things with Jason, you know, which is really a sweet honor to Jason and his father. Uh, but like, I'm in the same boat, man, Steve Smith, you were bringing him up. But like, 
I'm the guy up there and everybody, you know, you, you hear that stuff like, Oh, well, where's Victor? Where's Victor? It's like, he's not here. I don't know what to tell you. That's none of my business, but you guys are coming to see the show. And I do honor his, I just had this, somebody else asked me these questions and it's like, I honor the parts. Of course it's blister in the sun. Right. So I have to go to two, two, two and all these different parts of the song that that's part of the song. I don't copy his fills note for note. You know what I mean? I get to be my own person and player, but you know, it, it is tough. And um, I mean, it doesn't weigh on me, but I understand where people are coming from because I'm a fan of other bands. You know what I mean? Where it's like uh, Pearl Jam was never the same after Dave Eversees left. You know, like to me, I, I get it. Yeah. But what do you, you know, either stop doing it, the band stops doing it, or you move on and you find another drummer. It is hard it, it, that's a, isn't that kind of a weird thing about bands? It, you know, because as musicians, we see it a certain way, and we understand it from the musical standpoint. And then the fans, I think they look at it like, well, I just know this band is these people. Right. And when right. one of them, in this case, the drummer leaves, then they get like, they don't understand why the drummer left. They may not understand it, whether it was about business or uh, the drummer's playing or drugs or alcohol abuse, whatever. They just say, oh, well, this is not the same. You know, and fortunately, in my case, I've been accepted by the fans. You know what I mean? Because I do honor, Victor and I both come from a jazz kind of feel. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the fans have that kind of um, swing to the, the music, also the improv. So, you know, um, it works out for me because it wasn't like I was trying to, I'm not like, not the diss on a band, like let's say winger or docking or something, just throwing it out there. I could do those gigs, but I don't think I would do it any justice because it's not kind of my style. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this gig works for me in my style and my play, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if any of that kind of, I don't even remember the question, but <laughs> no, no, no. It makes it, perfect kind of, sense. And, and, and you know what I mean? Like this is a common thing that we all talk about. It, it could be a huge band like Violet Femmes or Led Zeppelin, or it could be a local band. You know what I mean? And you have to serve the song. And fortunately my style works for these songs. You know what I mean? And I do, I do respect Victor's contribution and his feel. It just works for me. So it was an easy slide in, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I mean, it, yeah. and, and you, then you have the flip side of that uh, to a certain extent. You know, like I'm really good friends with um, Scott Hessel of the Gin Blossoms. And, oh, sure. You know, Hess is probably the fourth or fifth, maybe sixth drummer of the Gin Blossoms. But sure. he is by far the longest serving drummer in that band. Right. Like he's played yeah. longer yeah. than anybody else. And, you know, he and I had a great conversation about just the chemistry of it all. Like, you, you know, I don't know what it is about the, you know, the guy that played on the record. Like, we, we have to have that guy. But sometimes sure. the chemistry isn't there for that group of four or five people. Right. And right. then you have to plug in another guy. And I've said a billion times, and I think everybody agrees with me. It's not necessarily about the notes that you play. It's about the 22 hours on the damn bus, <laughs> right? It's Well, you, you know what? You just, you nailed it. That's the other thing. You know, I remember, I remember um, 
first of all, the Violent Femmes were my first concert. Okay. Really? <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Okay. Concert. Okay. Now yeah, we're getting, it, now we're getting home, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a mind trip, right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, right. And so I was, uh, I must've been like 15 or 16. And I remember reading in a local newspaper at that time, Victor had left the band. Well, in my 16 year old mind, cause I had been playing the first Femmes record in my basement, pretending I was in the band. Uh, I'm not lying. Yep. I used to do that. And so I knew those songs note for note, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and I thought, okay, well I have to figure out how I can audition for these guys. Come on, man. I'm 16, but I was young. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know any better. Right. But, and I said, in my mind, and many times before or after that, you know, when I hear about auditions, I'm like, I could kill this gig. Well, I didn't realize until I started touring regionally with my own band, rock bands, and then, of course, touring with the Femmes. Wait a minute. It's not all about <laughs> playing. Can I, can I be on a bus with this person or in a van with this person? Yeah. You know, for all those, you're, you, I mean, you're, you're basically a makeshift family. Yes. And if somebody doesn't like, yeah, if that's a different dynamic. I think that a lot of younger artists have to understand if they're trying to go out and tour, I guess, <clears throat> and do auditioning. It's like, well, I don't understand. Why didn't I get the gig? I'm, I, I can kill this. It's like, yeah, but did, were you maybe kind of a little, like a little weird at the audition? You know, the guys are looking at you going like, eh, this guy's a little tight wound or he's like, whatever it is, that's negative personality and it's so important as well, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, it's interesting. Again, that's another thing that just like the people that are not entertainers or musicians, they don't understand that other side of the world, you know, our world, young musicians don't understand if they haven't toured and understand what that's about. They just don't get, you know, like, can we depend on you every day? Can, are you going to be obnoxious in a van or, you know, yeah, or, or yeah, are, a whole are, different dynamic. Yeah, or are you going to lose your shit when you know the plane is delayed by three hours? Yeah. You, you know, oh, I mean, oh man, and I've seen it happen. I've seen that happen, and I understand now. Like, oh wow, yeah. you know, and I've had to deal with that with other musicians, you know, and it's like, wow, man, now you just screwed up my whole day because you're flipping out because you're going through a tough patch with your girlfriend at home, or you know, yeah, it could be a million of a million things, you know. Because we're all, we're all in this bubble and yep, life still exists outside of it, but don't bring it into here. Cause this, you know, it's like we're on a mission, you know, we're on a mission and let's, we all have to be on the same page here and keep it positive, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a thing that I wish young musicians, I hope that they, if they listen to what we're talking about, I hope that they learn from that. Cause I hate it when the older guys used to get like, tell me stuff. They're like, you don't get it. And I would, then I realized they were right. But I was young <laughs> and I was arrogant. Right. Yeah. So I hope that, you know, take it from a, a new, um, like a new, uh, you know, like a newbie old timer now. Right. Uh, please listen to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I, and you know, I, you know? I, I, I do. And you know, I, I, you know, pickup gigs, things like that. You know, like if you get a, yeah, I don't know a wedding band sub gig or something like that. You know, I, I've joked around and right. said, you know, if I never have to play Brown Eyed Girl again, that's perfectly fine with me. But you, 
you'd better lay in the pocket and do it right. Or you won't get that phone call next time. Right. You got it. I mean, you got it. We all have to do crap that we don't want to do. And, you know, I jokingly said to you before we, you know, started the interview, the music business is great, except for the business part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting for us as drummers, right? So, you know, when it comes to publishing and writing, it's words and melody. And I mean, without, see that, I was just talking about this with somebody else, uh, as far as the business side of music, right? And I said, I'm not giving opinions or saying, oh, this person and that person, they don't handle their business right. But the facts are that as drummers, we don't get, typically we, are, we have no right to any publishing or writing because it's words and melody. Yeah. Now, if you're in a group, <clears throat> you know, uh, where everybody's like, hey, we're all for one and one for all, great, then you guys can split all your writing and publishing. <clears throat> you know, but um, it happens to a lot of people. We're drummers where they're out and they're with the group and they're, these guys say, yeah, no, no, it's words and melody. You're just a drummer. It's like, well, dude, I came up with this or I did that. Those are harsh realities, but it's the way the business is set up. I think also I learned a lot because I was around a lot of successful musicians as I was coming up. And a lot of them had some bad stories and some of them had great stories, but I always listened and I learned from that. I would have never applied, set up a BMI account, you know what I mean? But I was out doing things and I was fortunate where I could be a part of the writing and publishing. Maybe I even did lyrics. It's not about, uh, so to speak, uh, getting rich and the fame or all that stuff. But also if you're contributing legitimately as a drummer, whether it's lyrics or arranging, well, you know, you should understand that you have a right to get your due, you know? Now, is it fun sitting in front of the computer, applying for BMI and then going back and forth and having these conversations with people and groups going, well, you know, I think I should get X amount of public. No, it's not fun. But do you want to have a career? Well, then you have to do it. It's just like you were saying, you know, some people would say they're plumbers. Now, sometimes you have to go to a house and clear out a pipe. Not going to be the cleanest. And then other times you just have to fix a faucet. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, a job's a job, you know. Yeah, the business side of things, but you have to, they have to deal with it. It seems like the younger people nowadays that I hear about, not that I'm super old, but, you know, the younger guys coming up, they are on top of their business more now than when I was coming up. I think there was a lot of people that just kind of didn't pay attention where the younger people are really on top of it, which is great. You know, well, you should get your due and you have to be on top of it in this day and age because, you know, when, when I first started having any level of success and it was never a lot, you know, but it was the, the mid to late nineties and the music business was like, if I look back now, it was completely different than what it is today. I mean, it was still, you know, about selling physical records like cassette tapes and compact discs. And, you know, the first um, record deal that I ever saw, you know, I was the guy that was like, wait a minute, why do we get paid more for selling a cassette or a vinyl than we do a compact (laughs) disc? 
you know, everybody yep. only buys compact discs now. And they were like, oh, well, you know, CDs are still considered an experimental format. I was like, what the hell are you talking oh, yeah. about? You know, I mean, well, yeah, you're, yeah, 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 you're OG, just like me. Yep. You I, know, I, yep. Nobody I was selling about. vinyl. You couldn't give away vinyl in 1996, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and you, so I, I just think nowadays, if you're not on top of the business, you're you're going to fail at least financially. You know, you, you may be quote unquote successful, um, but financially, sure. it's a, it's a dead end if you're not on top of the business. And you know, now you have 360 marketing deals, and I, it, it's just a completely different game. So if you're 23, 24 years old and starting a band, you'd better know all this stuff or you're behind the eight ball out of the gate. Yeah, I think that it is. It's it's they are more aware. I mean, Jamie, do you remember press packs? Oh, yeah, man. I I stuffed okay, that's, that's 20,000 of them. <laughs> oh, man. How many times did we go to the mail, uh, the post office? You know, it's a lot easier with the younger kids, though, because it's they're right literally on their phone or on their laptop and they're just killing it that way. But you remember how we had to go and do band photos and get them printed. Then we had to get manila envelopes. We had to get on the phone, call the booking agent. Hi, um, we're trying remember that? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, so I'm not trying to rip on the younger generation and be like, you kids don't know how good you've got it, but they don't know how good they got it. Yeah, we had to well, physically do that, get in the band van, drive to the post office, send all the press packs out, write it down, call all these people. Cause well, there was no email, there was no texting. Well, you, and you, uh, you so mentioned the, you mentioned calling the booking agent. I mean, th oh this will blow your mind. We actually had to pay a long distance phone bill <laughs> back in those days. Yep. Those calls calling cost cards. money. Yeah, man. I know. I know. So, I'm not trying to complain about that. I do, I do like to see how the younger generation, they seem like it is easier for them. I like that. I, I do like that. They're kind of on top of their business a little bit more because listen, if you're going to be a steam fitter or a plumber or an electrician or whatever it is that you want to do in life, you still have to take care of your bills. Everybody has, everybody has bills. Uh, you have to think about your future. So in the music world, it, it is a little trickier. So it is nice. It is refreshing to see the younger, the younger people. They do a lot more collaborating, and they really watch their money a lot more, which is great. But people are still blowing their money. The, 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 I, I don't know if people are getting advances anymore, though. Oh no! See, like, there's, I don't, yeah, there's I, no I don't, such yeah, thing. I think that's now imagine those years. You know, like and there's a lot of bands that actually they got advances and they handled it right. You know what I mean? And they were smart with their money. But, um, yeah, those days are long gone, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, think licensing seems like licensing is helping a lot for, you know, good paydays. Uh, but you know, I don't, I haven't been doing a lot of that because I was, I've been caught up in the touring world and then, you know, just playing regionally and all that. I haven't actually sat, I mean, the Femmes recorded an album, uh, hotel last resort. But I mean, since then, if I go into a studio, that's the other thing. Studios? What? Yeah. You mean your buddy's basement? I mean, that's the other thing that that whole structure has changed. People still have studios, but I mean, people are recording stuff on their phone. Uh, you know what I mean? And and it's making money. So 
uh, I don't know where I was going with it, but it just, I guess the whole dynamic of the music industry is constantly changing. You know, I always use this analogy, like I say, if you're a plumber, plumbing typically is, you know, I mean, okay, you went from lead pipes to PVC. I mean, that's, I'm not trying to be callous, but I'm saying the music industry is constantly evolving and you have to stay on top of that merchandising licensing as opposed to, you know, getting advances and selling, like you said, records or CDs or, you know, it's, you have to stay on top of it, you know, and uh, if you want to have a career and it is, it is a challenge, you know? Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I mean, I just think, you know, in, in this day and age, um, you, you know, I, I hate using that phrase, but in this day and age, it's, it, I think in many ways it, it's easier to get your music out there. And I use this statement a lot and, and I don't mean to be callous the way you said it, but the good news is anybody can make a, a great record today. The bad news is anybody can make a great record today. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the ocean I is, do. is so much bigger and so much deeper. You know, you could have, you know, the, the next white album, and eight people hear it on Spotify, right? Like, it, it, yeah. there's, there's so much incredible music that just never hits anybody's ears because it, it has now turned into who gets the push from the right people, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, right, and I mean, think about how many great, even, you know, when we were growing up, coming up, uh, how many artists that we we should have heard that were amazing and they just didn't get it into the right hands. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, now of course that was before the internet. So it was even more of a challenge, but that's, I think that challenge still exists now because you still have to get it. You have to get the right person. Oh, for example, okay. You, that, that guy that was on a skateboard, you know, oh, uh, yeah, ocean yeah. spray. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not dissing on him. I'm just saying, Clearly, that got into somebody. Somebody retweeted it. It just got into the right hands, and the you know what I mean, and it blew up. Well, I mean, so now let's talk about the music world. Think about like you were just just like you were saying. It's just as hard now because yeah, there's, there could be a million white albums or Revolvers or uh, Led Zeppelin one. You know what I mean? That it's just not getting in the right hands, even though we have the internet. So as much as I was saying earlier, like all oh, these kids have it easier, maybe they. You know, because I'm open-minded, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe they have it just as hard as we did. I don't know, you know, because, you know, it's constantly evolving. You know, people are leaving Twitter. I used to love Twitter. I don't, I don't do politics, but, you know, that was a great out. It was a great outlet for me to connect with people, you know. So you have to constantly be on top of what's the new thing. And fortunately, you can do it from your bedroom. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it is something, you know, like... Yeah, it, I think about this stuff every day. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's constantly, you know. And to hear us talking, you would think we were both seventy-five years old. You know, I mean, we're the we're the same age. You're forty-six. I'm forty-five. Yeah. But yeah, well, you know, this this industry. I'm not trying to complain or be negative. You know, but there's guys again. They go out and they're plumbers. Well, their hands start cramping up or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. But after you, forty-six years old, right? You, you do feel like you're 78 because we've been hustling and grinding since we were teenagers. You know what I mean? And it's constantly, you're, you're constantly, 
there's a lot of work that comes without pay. That's, that's the one thing I think that, that can kind of take a toll on a lot of people. Like where is if you're like a nurse or you, you go to work, you punch in, you get paid, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not saying you're not working. You are. But think about how much work we put in as artists in general. And it goes, we don't get paid for it. But we know we have, well, I think we have to do it because it's in our soul. You know what I mean? I think we're kind of chosen to be artists. But, man, <laughs> a lot of investment, you know, paying yeah. it forward for, you know, like, yeah. yeah. But I think that, I don't know if people really choose, again, I don't want to sound ignorant, but I don't know if people choose the uh, life of being an entertainer. I think it kind of chooses you. It's maybe just a personality. It's what's best for your personality type and who you are. And at some point, that's usually where it weeds out to people that are just like, eh, not really into this, you know? And, uh, or you accept it and you, you say, well, I'm going to educate myself as much as I can and be as successful as I can, be the best I can at whatever, I, you know, my medium is. And then you just keep pushing forward, you know? And in this case, like you said, we're 46 and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with half this stuff on the internet. Not that I'm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's always a new platform. There's always something new, you know? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, and I don't know what that is exactly, but you know, yeah, I, me either. I, Let I, me know if you find out. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think, <laughs> you know, I look at my daughter who's 18 and she's so much more hip on all this stuff than I am. And, and I feel like I've, got my finger on the pulse. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, yeah. and she's like, Oh my God, you're still using Facebook. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, of course I am. And she's like, okay, boomer. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, do I know what you mean? So my kids are 13 and 15 and my girlfriend, she's my girlfriend's 30 years old. And she's like, uh, so I love you. But, um, so, you know, and then she schools me or I'll talk yeah. to my kids and I'll be like, oh yeah, so this and that. And they're like, uh, then they use these phrases like, oh, that's cringe. I'm like, is that a website? <laughs> oh, dad. <laughs> dad. Yeah. And, well, and then of course I listen though. See, that's the difference. Yeah. I don't get stubborn. And I, I, I try to, I go, okay, well teach me about it. You know, cause we're always constant. We should always be listening and learning. Right. Cause that's yeah. how you. I think the right way to go through life, but I'm with you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting schooled constantly, you know, like, yeah, that's the new thing. Right. So Facebook, I'm like, yeah, I mean, my Instagram posts go to Facebook automatically, but I don't have a, like, I'm, I can't friend people and all that on there. I just an artist page, but I'm starting to notice that the only people that talk to me about anything on Facebook are typically over 50 years old. Yeah. Now I'm 46, so I'm not necessarily, you know, age being ageist, but, ah, Hey guys, you know, I'm not trying to like look cool at 46. It's not a midlife crisis, but maybe start looking at other platforms. Facebook, it's still a thing, but you know, like I'm still struggling with TikTok. Not that I hate it or I think it sucks, but like, I know I have to do it. Yeah, man. You know? and, and, uh, and these are things yeah. that musicians of, of a certain age, it's like, you know, what do you invest in? You talked about the time investment that we all have in our careers. Sure. It, it's, it, you know, at some point you're like, I don't want to just spin my wheels, right? I don't want to waste time yeah. and energy and effort, but 
you, you know, it, you have to cover every single base. And sometimes you, you know, you feel like the, the guy putting his finger in the, in, in the hole in the dike, right? It's like, you, sure. oh, and here's another hole over here. Now, you know, you run out of fingers, you you run out of time to keep up with yep. everything you have to do. And that's going back to what you said about the younger bands. They're smart enough to know we need a social media person in our camp yeah. to take care of all yeah. this stuff for us. A good publicist or, or a good marketing person. It's just so different. Yes, hands down. And, and that's tough because it's tough because, you know, as you get older, because first of all, you know, we spent our whole career doing things for ourselves, right? By ourselves. And then you start getting older and a lot of people, as they get older, they start thinking like, well, I don't, uh, you know, they get cr like curmudgeons. So they don't want to, they don't want to embrace the new things, number one. And number two, they don't trust a lot of them. I'm not saying all older people, okay, I'm not offending anyone, but they also, they don't trust, they don't want to give, uh, you know what I mean? They don't want to trust in a new thing. And yeah, like you got to use common sense, like there's people out there with better ideas, but you know, they, they, they know more than, you know, so just kind of trust, but it's hard because this industry, right when you start trusting something bad could happen. I've been fortunate. I haven't had any really bad experiences, but it's hard for people to kind of let go and trust in a PR person or, you know what I mean? When those are the people, not only they know more than you, but they actually see you, from an outsider standpoint, you know what I mean? And they might have a better perspective. It's, it's a weird psychological thing. You know what I mean? As far as the business, because we're kind of vibing on this business thing, right? Yeah. When in reality, I just want to sit and play the, I just want to play the <laughs> damn drums. And I just, yeah. can you just let me, I want to hit the practice pad, man. Yeah. But it's what it is, you know, like I, you have to put in your time. You have to, you still have to work, you know, but yeah, it, it, we could sit here and talk in circles about this stuff forever, but I know, you know, as far as the, the drumming thing, you know, so of course I connected with you through Chris and a and F drums. Um, and it's, it, I, I, I may be taking this in another direction, but again, it comes back why we're doing all this and why you and I are on the phone is because it was the drums. It was music. Right. And people are still doing great things with instruments. I, you know, like with the electronic drums, I mean, I respect them. I've used them a ton, but A and F is doing some really cool things. They, there's still a passion there, you know. What I mean, because so that's their craft, right? Obviously, most of them are drummers, but they're building drums, and it's interesting to see how that world is changed. Because like DW just got uh, bought by uh, Roland, I believe, right? Yes, correct. Y you know, and so I guess it kind of ties into the whole business side of things. You know, Rami is doing fantastic things there and he's he's his own entity well tw was doing great things too but they went to corporate world you know so it's it'll be interesting to see i, I guess it's cyclical you know what i mean like whether it's music or uh, any type of business you see these you know things get are really good and have the right intention and then they go corporate just like any other i guess uh, band right think about how many bands it's like i remember them I, their first album was the best and then they sold out to get signed. You know what I mean? It's, but, um, <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to talk, because I wanted, basically I wanted to talk about drums and not the business because you and I sit around and 
have to think about the business all day, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I just want to play the damn drums. Those guys do some really nice things there. And with the Femmes, I don't know if I'm, you know, taking this off on a tangent, but I got hooked up with them because Brian Ritchie, the bass player for Violent Femmes, he's a drummer himself and he loves drums. And we were in Australia and he said, oh, I got this 16 inch snare drum. I'm like, nope, fail. Nope, not doing it. He's like, no, 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 I'll try it. I like this. He always is. He comes up with these ideas, you know what I mean? Music, you know, with the instruments and musically. So I was like, yeah, well, this was cool. And then I somehow I must have done a search for, uh, you know, bigger snare drums. And I found A&F. And I'm like, Brian, these guys do an 18-inch snare drum. And he said, get it. (laughs) Next thing you know, I have a 23-inch snare drum. Yeah. And I have an eight, you're like, what? So, I mean, um, yeah, the drop, like, do you play a lot? I, I mean, what, what's your, I know you're interviewing me, but I mean, we're both drummers. Are you yeah. reactive? Yeah, man, I am. And, you know, I, I do more recording now than, than anything else, sure. you know, in terms of live playing and kind of COVID, I guess, you know, 20 20 kind of put an end to a a lot of the, a lot of the gigging for me, but you know, and I'm still trying to get hooked up with Rami because I do want to talk to him about some of the stuff that he's doing because he, he does think very much outside the box and you know, you, you bring up something interesting, the films, you know, they have always, you know, it's never been a drummer in the back with, you know, a kick drum and, you know, a traditional drum set. It's always been kind of a cocktail kit or, you know, sure. w- weird percussion stuff or, or or whatever the case may be. So maybe you right. could kind of talk through, you know, some of that about how your brain works of, you know, what am I taking out on stage with me to get through these songs? Right. So, uh- Okay, so that was obviously with the Femmes, it's, the sound is a snare drum and brushes, okay? And so that's kind of like how we, the snare drum sound was a big thing when I joined. Brian was, he had different ideas and things he wanted to do with bigger snare drum. So that's that. Now, when Victor, when they first started the band, as far as, I remember Brian telling me the story is they were rehearsing with another group. Uh, Victor and Brian had another band with local uh, musicians and there was a bushel basket in an attic. Now I I might have this kind of wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was listening. And Brian said uh, to Victor, why don't you take that bushel basket and play it on that thing? uh, The band was called the dance and trance band. I think it was, that's the name of it. And, Eventually, that bushel basket became part of what Victor used in his setup, right? Right. And uh, he, I, that's where the name Transophone came from, from the dance and trance band. Um, again, you know, I maybe have certain details wrong, but I mean, I hear all these stories over and over for many years. So then fast forward, um, when we, we were in between Victor Victor had left the band in uh, 2013 or something when we got back together. And then we had uh, Brian Viglione, who's from um, Jordan Dolls. He was with the band for about three years there. I was with the band uh, since 2005. I was playing Cajon. But Vig missed his flight. And we had, re- uh, we had TV in Montreal for the Montreal Jazz Festival. 
So they're like, well, can you, can you do this, John? And I'm looking at, I'm going like, are you kidding me? Like you guys were my first concert. I used to play these songs in my basement. I'm, I'm playing in the band playing Cajon. Of course I can play these songs. I said, yes, I can do it. Great. Bring your snare drum. We have TV, you know, Vig misses flight. So we're in a, uh, like in a dressing room and doing makeup and all that stuff. And there happened to be a Weber grill in the corner. You know, they must have done like a cooking segment. You know what I mean? You know, on TV, it was like a morning show. I just happened to be left, left behind. So we're getting ready to, to do this TV thing. And Brian looks at the grill and he said, why don't you just play that? Just, I said, play what? He played it. Just play that Weber grill. Forget the snare drum, man. Just play the grill. I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah, whatever. I'll play in a tin can, you know? <laughs> so, so we did. And I'll never forget being up there and looking at Gordon and Brian. First of all, they're probably like, okay, cool. Yeah, he can play. They knew could, I could play drums. You know what I'm saying? But, it, but then like, wow, this actually sounds good on the Weber grill. So then fast forward a little bit further, Vig left the group and I was talking to Brian. I said, well, he said, well, why don't you just, you know, I, that's when I became the drummer, drummer full, you know, did all of it. And he said, well, uh, you're going to bring the Weber, right? And I said, absolutely. (laughs) So Brian is kind of, Brian's kind of, uh, he always has a vision. Yeah. I mean, you did Colbert with the grill, right? That was my first, that was technically my first, yeah, my first gig. Okay, yeah. And, and we, we were sound checking and the lid fell off and I'm like, oh, I can't have this happen on national television. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was like really, I was thrown, I was, of course I was already in the band, but I was thrown into this different role. And it was, it was with the barbecue. Well, so, yeah. so let, let me ask you this, you know, so you had yeah. some unique requirements instrumentally, right? So when you, when you start talking to a company like A&F, how, how do you explain to them, look, I don't want, you know, a 22 inch bass drum and a 13 inch rack tom, like, like you're going to have to think outside the box. How, how do you approach that conversation? Uh, you know, it actually, uh, Rami and I had, I think, more talks about the floor tom because I use a, a four by fourteen. I'm sorry, a four by eighteen floor, so it's four inches deep, eighteen inch wide. And I said, "Well, Rami, I said, you know, I only play on, you know, this song and that song, but I, I need it to be dead. I don't need." He said, "Dude, we're gonna put wood hoops on this thing." I mean, I think it's four, it might be four and a half, but anyway, it's four by 18. I was like, okay, I trust you. I mean, think about this. We're not even talking about the snare drum. We're talking about the floor. We put more thought and talks into the floor tom. And he said, I'm going to port the bottom hole or bottom head rather. I'm like, uh, okay. And so I got the floor tom and I was playing it. And I'm like, wow, no, no, this is, this is weird. The minute we ran it through the PA, that floor, Tom, I can't tell you how many front of house engineers and monitor engineers, people are going like, what is that? <laughs> you know, going back to Steve Gadd, I heard somebody uh, tell a story that they, they had the opportunity to play his kit and they were like, it was horrible. It sounded <laughs> so bad. Yeah. But the minute he got on it, it was like, 
it was it was like night and day. It sounded like so, the good doctor. That's right. It's a, a lot of that God sound comes that. from your hands, man. Yeah, for real. You know, and then how it's ran through the PA and all that. But so Rami and I spent a, a lot more time talking about that. When it came to the snare drum, I was like, hey, I like this snare drum. He's like, cool. And I'm like, um, I play brushes. What do you suggest? He's like, honestly, brother, like use a dimple man on the top. And I'm like, what? Why would, who uses a diplomat on the top? And he's like, trust me on this one, because you're playing brushes and all that stuff that's intricate. And so that was about the extent of, you know, like interacting with Rami as far as the drums. You know what I mean? Like it was that easy, you know? And then I, I, I ask him questions here and there, because of course, as drummers, you know, we're a little nutty. So like one time we're playing in a hall and something's ringing and it's like, I'm thinking about going to a nickel show, uh, aluminum, you know what I mean? Like, and he, he caters to my, my nutball thoughts, but in general, it, it was really kind of a quick thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and then he got, he got involved with, uh, you know, the hardware too. Now he has the stands. Now think about that, Jamie. Yeah. Where do you get a snare stand for an 18 inch snare drum? Yeah, well, you're not you're not ordering it off the Yamaha website or whatever. You know, man. Yeah. So like, I'm going, hey, Rami, I really like this. Uh, how do I mount this? You know, of course, now they have the hardware line, which is fantastic. Yeah. But so I, I'm not. I kind of came in a little on the earlier side with them because now they're just like blowing up. They're just they were killing it back then, but it's just really. It's it's turning into something that's just fantastic. I love that it's independent to, uh, you know, again, going back to the whole rolling thing. You know, like, I'm happy that I can still call the owner or text him, and he's like, oh, buddy, yeah, no, this and that, you know? That's, yeah. that's some old school stuff that I, I, I still appreciate, you know? And I need that for my career, you know what I mean? Like, these are my tools. I need to be able to call someone. Yeah. I don't want to call uh, customer service or have to say, you know, go on a chat and you know, hi, my name is Robert, you know, and it's fake, you know, right. I could still text the owner. Yeah. Fantastic company. Well, I, yeah, and all the stuff they're doing is great. That is one of the first pieces of advice that I give to, to younger drummers. And, and, you know, I, I get a lot of calls from people that, you know, I went to high school with, for example, Hey, my son wants to start playing drums. <laughs> Where do I start? Right. And, you know, there's always the, uh, whatever the prepackaged, you know, $499, you know, I call it the Christmas special, right? At the drum store sure. and it's just particle board and, you know, it's got some bad heads on it and, you know, bad symbols. And I'm like, look, you're going to be tempted to do that. Trust me, start searching Craigslist for something that's, you know, three or four years old. You're going to get a lot more mileage out of it, but I tell all of these young drummers, figure out what your sound is. And most young drummers don't know yet, right? But you fall into that over time and you, you know, you cultivate what your sound is. And I can tell you in, you know, two sentences exactly what I'm going for. You can always take ring out of a drum. You can't add it back in. Right. So I want yeah. for, for me, I want whatever has the most resonance, the most ring, and then I'll deal with it after the fact. Um, sure. 
you know, so you start getting into this is what I like kind of thing. And I tell them you have to figure that out early on so you can chase it and, and you know, uh, curate that into what your sound is going to be 20 years from now. Yeah, it's tough because I agree with you. Uh, I think that there's a lot of guys or, you know, people in general uh, that, you know, they, for example, talk about drums. They just play drums and they just want to get through the song. And they're like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. Uh, you know, I'd make some extra money on the weekend. And there's guys that are out there, people playing, you know, and then they want to have a sound. And then if you start thinking about that too much, I feel like that's a weird, that's a, that's a tricky thing because I've had to answer those questions like, well, what do you think your sound is? <laughs> you know, and I know what it is, but I never, you know, I never went after that. I realized it's more of a personality thing. What sounds good to me. I didn't make it a, a whole contrived thing where it's like, all right, I have to figure out my sound. But I mean, as far as these younger people that are starting to play drums, my dad, my dad was a drummer, you know, and he always told me, he's like, listen, man, if you're good, you should be able to play in a tin can. That's right. You know, you know, you should be able to play on one drum. Fortunately, you know, I'm in a band where I can play on just one drum. But uh, <laughs> the, the point is, is that, yeah, I mean, the drums, tuning and all that stuff, just focus on playing. You know, like the tuning and what uh, kind of drums you're playing, even though I, it's, I could be starting like I'm contradicting myself, you do get to a point where you have a sound in your head and what you need in the case, in my case with A&F, right? But I mean, these younger people starting off, just get any kind of kit. Learn how to keep time. Well, yeah, Don't sure. Speed of course. Up. Yeah. You know I mean, you know, the, the fundamentals. And then I, listen, Jamie, if I give you any uh, junky drum right now, you're telling me you couldn't tune it and make it sound good? Of course you could. Yeah. You know, like how many of these albums that we've heard, you know, when you finally hear what kind of drums that were, well, when you listen to an album, do you, oh, oh that's a DW. Oh, that's a song. <laughs> no. You know, like it's right. played well. It's and, and you learn how to tune over time. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the personal preference, that's a different thing. But at the end of the day, these younger people, I always tell them, I'm like, <laughs> They want to get started. Too. I, I did a ton of teaching, you know, and of course I always wanted them to learn how to play a double stroke roll, basic stuff on just a snare. But these, most people, they want to get to playing a beat, you know, and I think that as a teacher, I always kind of give them the basic fundamentals, but then get them playing. Cause once you start playing a beat, think about that first time you play to a song, you're like, Whoa, I'm doing it. That's when you get the bug, right? All that other stuff, you can figure it out. You know, what kind of drum set you're playing. A lot of it is advertising, you know, just like anything, you know, like, oh, I, I have to have this kind of scented candle. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> Candles, you know what I mean? Right. I know it's kind of a vague, you know, a comparison, but the drums, you know, when you're starting off, man, just, just start playing. You know, you can make anything sound good. I, well, I, I don't That's my take on that whole thing. Yeah. And, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think it's, I, I think a lot of it is 
ad driven and you know back in the day it was all mtv driven right what, what, oh yeah what, what is my favorite drummer playing in his new uh video and i've got to have that and all i gotta say is power toms yeah man what yeah that was what was on mtv yeah and you know it, i think every drummer of our vintage owned a pearl export kit at least once right i mean everybody oh, yeah. had right. one um so i i agree with you but i think it's important for the younger guys and girls that are picking up this instrument you know probably the most important piece of gear they'll ever purchase is a metronome you know oh yeah by far you um mean the app you mean download the app? That's yeah. what the kids are doing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, I mean, had you asked me in 1988 when I first picked up sticks, you know, I would have told you no. It's not that important because I'm never going to have to play to a click track in a studio. Wrong. Fa- oh my goodness. Fail. You know what I mean? Like that's the first. Jamie, can I ask you a question? Sure. Have you ever gotten Have you ever gotten fired from oh, a session? Hell yeah. Me too, because I couldn't play to the click. You know, now I laugh at it because I can play on top of the click, I can play on the click, and I can play behind it, right? But I basically what I'm saying is I totally agree with you. It's like, oh, man, I used to be afraid of the click. Yeah. You know, so you're right. Yeah, get a metronome. Well, I, I have the app on my phone, so I use my earbuds when I practice on the pad, and I have that thing going. But, yeah, yeah, of course. Because some people have naturally, they, they have good time, you know, and so other people, they, I think it's more of like, um, it's like singing, you know, you have to exercise the muscle. Well, in this case with time, some people just don't have good time naturally. They have, to. so I agree with you. I think a lot of these people should, it's, it's how you present it though, Jamie, you know, like as a teacher, the click for younger or just new students, right? It's, it can be a little daunting. You know, like, uh, you know, you feel like it's rigid. Where's the fun in this? So you have to know how to kind of present it to the student if they think that way. You're just like students that, you know, I, I didn't, I learned how to read music later on in my career. But in my mind, starting off, I was like, music, reading music, listen, man, don't tell me what to do, man. And it's like <laughs> kind of really important because, you know, like, yeah. it's a great, it's a great way to kind of you know, explain things at times, you know, but yeah, the Metro, yeah, the drums, yeah, just, just get going, you know, just learn how to keep time. And like you said, the metronome, I would definitely suggest that And don't worry about the business. It's like, goes back to what we were talking about earlier. We're sitting here talking about the business and it's like, can we just start playing again? Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. If you're to a point where you have to worry about the business side of things, you've already taken care of the first part. I I, I would argue. I would like to think so. Correct. Yeah. You you know, and I'll tell you what the aha moment was for me with, you know, playing to a click in the studio. A good friend of mine said, look, man, you're, you're going about this all wrong. You are looking at the click as a dictator. Right. Right. The, the click is not dictating anything to you. It's a reference. Right. So like you're in charge of this, but that's a reference for you to follow. Right. So that you're not yeah. rushing into a chorus or dragging into a verse or, or whatever the case may be. 
And that was like, I could feel the light bulb go off above my head. Like, oh, okay. So now it's just a a reference point. And to your point, you know, sometimes you'll be in a session and and the producer's like, okay, this is going to be at 120 beats per minute but I really want you to pick it up into the chorus and then drag it into the verse. And it's like, uh, okay, now I understand. I'm going to play ahead of it in the chorus and play behind it in the verse. But- yeah. Yeah. It's you're right. It, it, exactly. It, it's, it can be kind of intimidating. And so I, the way I embrace it, basically the same thing as you, I said, Oh, wait a minute. When I finally understood I said, oh, it's kind of like, uh, it's just another person in the band. Yes. Like, I had to think about it like, you know, it's like a rhythm guitar player, in my mind. Okay, I'm not saying that this is viable, you know, it's not an all be all, but I was like, oh, this is kind of like the rhythm guitar player. Like, you know when you're off. If you're off, you're off. You can be a little bit ahead or behind or, you know, or nailing it, burying it. And then you freak out. Cause you're like, I don't hear the click cause you buried it. You know, and that's another topic in itself. Right. But right. I just treated it like it was another person in the band. Well, and, and then I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm just jamming with the click. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, what opened up the world to me was, you know, my first experience with playing to a click, it was literally a click, you know, it was that terrible, you know, click, 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 you know, when, you know, they opened up the world of, oh, it can be a shaker or it can be a tambourine or, 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 you know, whatever, you know, a cowbell. It was like, oh, hell man, this is easy. Now I'm playing with the greatest percussionist of all time. That's, that's infallible, you know? And when you have that, you're like, oh, wow, what, what a new world. But, you know, to your point, God, we could just talk about click tracks for an hour. You know, I mean, oh, there's, absolutely. there's so much in this world that y- you, you never really think about until you talk about it. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, we both are in the same page, obviously because of our experience and all that. But I mean, at some point, everything we can sit here right now with, uh, Steve Smith or Kenny Aronoff. And obviously everybody's got different road stories, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it, it comes back to the drums, right? In our case. And we're going to still talk about all the same things. Yeah. yeah. I did a session and it was on a pro sport and I had to put tea towels on it. Did you hear Ringo put towels? Yeah. And then you followed a click and I had to, it, it, we're all, it's all the same story, but at the end, of, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're all, it's, nobody's story is any different. Yeah. You know? And so it, it, this is why you and I are going like, Oh yeah, totally. Cause we're all going to have the same experiences at some point, hopefully with the younger people, if they're in that, you know, um, I remember when to quantize or How do you, I always say that word wrong, you know, like quantization or how do you, I, I yeah, always qu- say it wrong. It's quantize, so snap Quant- into the grid, whatever. Yeah. Man, you're not going to quantize me or quantize. I always say it wrong. Like, no, I'm going to get the take right. You know, like I was not into that was pre, I think that was pre pro tools, you know? And then of course, you know, with the singing and stuff with the pitch shifting and all that, but I always wanted to get a good take. 
you know, and I, I, I still believe in that. You know, I had a couple people do some, you know, shifting beats years ago when I was in rock bands locally. But, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we all, it's still, you have to play the drums, you have to keep time. You can push and pull. Also, you know, it's just talking to somebody, and I don't know if you went through this, because I came up with jazz, right? So I was emulating Buddy Rich, and my big guy is Gene Krupa, which is great, because great feel. But I went through the whole chops thing, you know? Only to get into my, maybe in my 20s, to realize that nobody cares about your chops, dude. Yeah. You know, like, serve the song. Yeah. And all the old timers used to tell me that. And I'm like, well, that's just because you can't play. You you don't have chops, man. And then I realized, yeah, nobody, I mean, unless something that you can do, you know, chops-wise, serves the song, nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a good foundation as far as I, this is just my opinion. Okay. I'm not saying that I know everything, but you got a good foundation. You can keep time, you know, basic technique where you can, you know, play doubles, triplet, all these different things, you know? And, uh, I grew up being told, you know, if you want to work, you should learn all these different styles of music. But as far as all that, I, I watch these, you know, that, uh, that kid that's online, uh, Grayson. Oh yeah. Recruitment. Yeah. Dude. That's like Buddy Rich on steroids. Yeah. I love him. I like, I'll sit there and I'm like, I got to turn this off because, oh my gosh. You know, like, nope. And I'm, I, honestly, I'm really proud of that kid because he put in the time clearly and he's really good. Well, and I'm not downplaying what he does, but I, I've never been on a gig where anybody cared about my chops. Yes. They just wanted me to play the song. Yes. And which is, and, you know, you know, not to cut on him or anything like that. Not I'd, at all. I'd, I'd love to have him on the show, but what band you is should. he What band is he in? Well, you know, and He's I don't not. get into it too much. Uh, yeah, right? and I do. So, and I, again, we're not being critical, right? I, I know it's a fine line. So I thought about that, and I was reading some of the comments, and I, th- I, he, I think he just played a gig at the bottom line last week in New York. And there's a lot of people that are very hard on him, you know, like, dude, that's great. You know, but you know, and I don't know. Well, you my, know, I would love to see him in a band where my, like he uses all that and he, and, like, it's an amazing song. Right. But you know, my not point, I'm jealous of him. My, you know? my point in that is, you know, we cannot as, the common thread of the drum community. I just don't think we should aspire to be, you know, YouTube sensations because I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can sit down and, you know, with enough practice, I can learn how to play at, you know, 300 BPM paradiddles. (laughs) You know, it would take me some time. Sure. But, and that's impressive in everything. But again, I'll go back to my other bad joke, and that is if I can get in any wedding band and lay down Brown Eyed Girl for the 9,463rd time. And it feels good. And it feels good. It's probably going to pay my bills more than being able to do the 320 BPM paradiddles on the Internet. Yeah. That's that's all I'm saying. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And it's and I know where you're going with that. Because then you could have younger people or, you know, it doesn't matter. They were like, oh, is it, so it's only about money. It's like, no, man. But like, I, I do enjoy making money because I know I'm talented. It's I about getting to play more often is what it's about. Yeah, and I also, I like songs. Yeah. 
it, you I know. like playing the songs. So I really, I, you should get that guy on the show. I don't have any connection, I don't think, to him. But, I mean, I, I, I follow him and I look at his videos. And that is the kind of person where it's like, please get into a band. Yeah. Because whatever band you're going to get into, it's going to, I know that you'll do it in a musical way. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. You know, but, but think about Buddy Rich. Okay, Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa, right? Gene, Gene had great, he had great technique when he was younger. Gene also was very musical. If you listen to the Benny Goodman stuff, I mean, he really knew how to set up, you know, soloists and how to back soloists. And he's very, very musical. He did not have the technique Buddy Rich had. Well, Buddy Rich could run circles around anybody, but really, you know, like I'm not ripping on Buddy Rich. But like my dad would say, he's like, yeah, but well, so what? You know, like Gene is known for sing, sing, sing. Gene's known for playing with all those, all, all these big songs, you know, arrangements rather, with Benny Goodman. But, you know, Buddy never really, I mean, he had West Side Story, but it was really a feature of his play. Yeah. You know, he killed it with the arrangement. I'm not downplaying Buddy, you know, and I don't want anybody to hate on me for my opinion. But you think about that, you know, Gene was more musical. And Buddy was a machine. Nobody could touch that guy. I, although I think this Grayson guy, that's his name, Grayson, right? Yes. Uh, that, that's, that dude, I, honestly, in my opinion, I think he's better than Buddy Rich. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, he can play. He, he, I mean, I, listen, I totally fanboy on him in, in, as far as the technique and all that. But, you know, think about that. It comes down to the songs, right? Ringo. I mean, Ringo's Ringo, whatever you think of him. Well, he played for the song, man. And we, we don't, drummers will sit around and listen to drum solos. I can only handle it so long. I want to sit down and listen to an amazing song. Like, wow, listen to this fill that sets up how it goes in this change and it changes your mood in a song. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know if that comes with age or maturity. You know, I don't know. But, but here's yeah, the, that's, that's another. Here's the big difference, you know, I, and I don't mean to interrupt, but. The, no, you no, know, I'm always interrupting. Go the, ahead. The, this is the thought that always comes to mind when somebody mentions Ringo. Here we are 60 years later, still dissecting those 200 some odd songs, trying to figure yeah. out. What was it he did that made this so special? And yeah. the prayer of any drummer, I would think, is, God, I hope somebody's listening to my shit 60 years from now trying oh, to sure, dissect what it was that I did. And, you know, you, you talk about chops, you know, in the modern day and age, you know, um, I, I'm pals with Nate Morton, who is the drummer on The Voice, and he toured with Cher and Paul Stanley and all these other people. And Nate will tell sure. you all the time, I have zero chops, man. I have zero chops. And that dude yeah. is killing. And I'm like, man, if I had a quarter of your talent, I would tell everybody that would listen, look at all my chops. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, just, it, 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 Yeah, and his chops... Be, uh, it's because he figured it out. He's like, dude, play the song, man. You right, know, like, right. And, he's and got that's, the chops he needs to, 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 you know, serve the song. And that's my point. That dude can play any song ever put to tape. I mean, he yep. can just do it and do it right. And he he will tell you, I have zero chops. And I'm like, man, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, you know, and here's... 
here's the thing I was thinking about too, and it, uh, Keith, I may even brought it up earlier. You know, we're the age that we are. You know, and I remember being younger. And if I would have been listening to this, I would have been like, okay, old timer. And again, I can't repeat enough. If there's younger drummers listening to this, like, dude, hear me out, man. I hated when people would tell me this stuff. I thought they were wrong, but wow, please listen to me. We are right. They were right. Just play a song, dude. Yeah. You know, like if you can find a way to sneak in some of that cool shit you do, that's my dad always told me. He's like, if you can figure it out, like if you can make it so it's part of the song, awesome. But, you know, I would show my dad. I'm like, he's like, cool. What song do you use that in? And I would get mad at him. And I would I'd be like, you know what? You don't get it, dad. But yeah, he did get it. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing, right? You know, I mean, there's so many of these guys out there. Look, you know, I was thinking about uh, Kenny Aronoff the other day. That guy can play. Yeah. I'm not just saying like, oh, he's got a ton of gigs and he's got a great career. He talks about when he's playing, he thinks about where he's placing each snare hit, backbeat, so it feels good for the song. Well, I mean, if you want a career, it's, not a, it's, it's a pretty healthy way of looking at your craft. Yeah. You know, like, wow, you know, and uh, you know, also, doesn't it feel good when everybody locks in? Yeah, man. There's you nothing know, like, better. What a feeling, right? Yeah, man. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not trying to get on a on my soapbox and talk to the younger drummers, but gosh, I hope they listen to us. You know, I mean, and I love talking drums. I could talk about heads, uh, like I was talking about the A and F. I'm restoring drums. I'm uh, I'm rewrapping a kit. Like, why am I re? Uh, what am I doing? You know, like I don't like the way this wrap sat, so I'm rewrapping kits and rethreading, you know, cause then it goes into that world that maybe so to speak, like uh, the nerd world, I'm rethreading things, cleaning out, you know, my buddy, uh, he works with the fans as well. And he's a drummer and he's like, I just lubed up my pedal, all my, all my cymbal stands. I got a bunch of kicks. It's like, we're are, we're kind of a rare breed, yeah, <laughs> you man. know, like, you know, like totally nerdy, you know, but, um, yeah, I guess just don't lose focus of, the instrument too, you know, like, well, I I've said, you know, I, I've said this before that drummers are, you know, we are, you know, no matter what level you're at. Okay. To be a drummer, first of all, you have to have the artist spirit to play the instrument. You also oh, you say mental illness. <laughs> well, but you also have to be, you know, at least a serviceable woodworker and carpenter. You have to yeah, be, yeah at least a serviceable mechanic and you also have to be a serviceable machinist right like because all this stuff no, you're, you're dead on correct <laughs> like it, well, that is a rare breed turn to? Yeah. who does everybody turn to in the band yeah not just for the play exactly who's typically who are, who's driving everybody in all their gear exactly the drummer Exactly. Who's the one that's back there keeping everybody together, but still getting yelled at the drummer. Yep. Oh, I don't understand. Uh, my trust. Ru- yes. Correct. Right. Well, I mean, I can't, I'm not trying to, I can't tell you, know, you how many gigs cool, but, I've been on where it's like, Hey man, do you have a Phillips screwdriver? Of course I do. You know, Hey man, do you have a zip tie? Of course I do. Yep. Hey, hey man, you know, I, I've got this weird problem. Oh, no problem. My I've, pedal screwing, my pedal screwing up. Uh, I don't get, Okay, let me look at it. I just don't know. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's awesome that you you said that because 
It's so true. It's not just about the music, but you know, oh my God, we're having a love fest on drummers. But it, 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 it's 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 proven itself time and time again. You know, yeah. we're not just the guys with the, it being the backbone, but it's just the voice of reason. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, we think that we're making sense. Oh, we are. You know, like that. You ever? Uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Billy Ward. You know, he was, um, he's like a session, session guy sure. he played with a bunch of pop artists. And I was reading something years ago. He, he had a beat bug on his snare and he was talking about tempo. This is something that we all deal with as drummers, right? You were speeding up, you were slowing down, all that. And he said that uh, he had put a beat bug on his snare. And I think he, he might've been working with Jewel or somebody, I forgot who it was. And they were giving him a hard time. And he's like, so I just documented all the numbers, only a drummer goes out of their way to like write down the tempo on the snare. You know what I mean? It's like, that's how we are. Uh, and he's, he's told the artist, he's like, well, I documented all this and we were right on, you know, we are a rare breed, you know? So, um, I don't know that that was just something that you must've sparked something in my head that made me, uh, remember that story I read. He was like, Oh, I was getting all a hard time from these singers. And they were like, you're speeding up. You're so and he used that beat bug, and he's like, nope. Yeah. You know, so emotions, but we, we are the backbone, you know. Um, sounds like a, a, a public service announcement, but <laughs> they need us. But it's so true, man. And, and I just think that anybody who has devoted a chunk of their life to this instrument that we all love yeah. so dearly, and we, you know, I hope that this podcast, you know, that the drum shuffle becomes the public square of the things that everybody needs to think about or talk about or emote about. I hope that's what this show is. And man, you know, I can't thank you enough, John, for coming on and just, no, of course. And just being an open book and I, I want to be respectful of your time and, you know, I want no, to, keep... I don't care. Yeah, no, no. And I know I, I love to talk. I mean, we all do. So but do I. Fine. I want to keep you know, this. Here's the thing. I'll, to a, a, yeah, I know we want to keep going. Uh, here's, I'll say one more thing and then you can hang up on me. You know, you were talking about, we all, we always want our, our drum parts or something, somebody that's going to be analyzing it 40 years from now. Right. And so you're talking about the podcast. I want, I hope we'll just say, the podcast will be something that inspires another because some drummer will be online and they're going to be looking around and they're going to somehow be sitting in their bed. Right. And they're going to listen to this. Even if it's not a thousand drummers that are totally like, Holy, Holy shit. Uh, I listened to this thing with this guy from the velvet. They're going to stumble on this or another episode. And it's going to be the one thing that they're going to always remember. And they're going to learn something from you know, and I'm a big fan of the drummer from Pearl Jam and Dave Averziz. And now, fortunately, I've been able to, you know, be in touch with him. And my first, the first thing I told him was, hey, man, you, I always read how you took time to, you know, address, you know, be with the fans. And you would go out of your way to sign autographs. And, of course, I'm a good person, but I always remember that. And now I'm in a situation where these people just want a minute of my time and I go out of my way because you inspire that. And he said, Oh, really? So you never know when people are listening. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a million drummers that learn 
uh, you know, from a podcast or from an interview in this case, Dave, but all you need is one, you know? So yeah, there man. will be people listening. So and no, the- I, I, I've had a great time talking to you. I'm sorry. I like the yap, you know, I mean, I play on top of the beat clearly. <laughs> no, man, this has been great. And, and I was just yeah. going to say, man, I want to have you back. You know, at, I would love to. At I would some love to. Point. We could talk about something specific. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I just think, you know, to, to what you said, you know, you read an interview and you, you internalized that. You remembered it. And, and to that, I say, what a time to be alive that I have, um, you know, I'm not trying to take any credit, but I have this sure. beautiful thing here that's, you know, 150 plus episodes. And man, it gets me emotional to think had I had a podcast to listen to when I was 13 and starting out or 12 or whatever, and to hear what all my heroes were thinking and what made them tick and what were they talking about? Holy crap, man. You know what I mean? It just blows my mind. So, so that gives you the motivation to keep pushing forward and regardless of, you know, whatever struggles you might have, you know, uh, doing it, you know, staying consistent as far as posting, you just keep doing it. Yeah, man. Same thing with the drumming. Okay. Well, I'm not famous or I'm not, but we just keep doing it. So just keep doing it, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause people are listening. Yeah. It's a lot easier now because I mean, I interviews with drummers, I, the buddy rich Memorial concert tapes, you know I mean? That's my dad and I used to watch them over and over. And I'm like, this is the first time where I could actually hear these drummers, the drummers I never even knew existed because they're playing with buddy rich band, but also the interviews, you know? And yeah. so now, like you said, you have the podcast, Someone, people are listening. Obviously, you know, people are listening, but it's those special ones that this could be this one or any of them could be. That's how special. Yeah. You have a voice. No different than when you're on stage playing drums, you know? Yeah, really. It's, it is special. So I'm happy that you look at it from that, that standpoint. And I would love to come back. Yeah, man, we, we, we we've got to do it. We've got to do it. If you want to talk about seven A's uh, compared to two B's, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. We'll, we'll count on it, John, man. Thank you so right, much. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And we'll do it again real soon. Okay. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right, man. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 154 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Uh, As always, thanks to John Sparrow for taking uh, some time out of his uh, downtime uh, to spend with us here on this show. I really do appreciate it. And thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in week in and week out. We simply can't do it without each and every one of you doing so. Uh, So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, As you guys know, the biggest thing you can do to help me out with this show is to share a link with a friend, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, leave us a star rating, a review, a blue thumbs up, whatever you can do to help uh, is greatly appreciated. As always, we answer every single email we get here at the Drum Shuffle podcast our email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And you can always find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Quick programming note for you. Um, the uh, episodes are going to be kind of hit and miss here over the next 
couple, three months, uh, simply because, as I said in the intro, it is my daughter's senior year of high school, and many of you know uh, she's at a ballet conservatory that's uh, a few hours away from here. Uh, so we've got a lot of senior year stuff going on. So lots of travel for me uh, and the misses. Uh, so please bear with me. Uh, but rest assured, we are booking guests. We are doing interviews. And I'll get them to you just as quick as I possibly can. So thank you for your patience on that. Uh, just stick with us. Things should open up a little bit uh, after uh, the May graduation. Woohoo. Uh, so again, thank you guys so much. I can't do this show without you. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.